Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our Bible study series on the book of Romans. If you have a Bible handy, I would love it if you would turn over to Romans chapter 14. And as you turn there, a little bit of a review. The first 12 verses of Romans chapter 14 are all about Christian freedom but not Christian freedom in terms of some uh, delineation of what you can and can't do. St. Paul isn't writing a list so much as he is talking about the issues of Christian freedom and Christian conscience. We have a conscience, but we also have freedom. We have priors that might restrict us, like somebody converting to Christianity from Judaism, as he addresses more specifically in the chapter, uh, somebody who has a problem eating bacon or not observing certain feast days in the Old Testament. St. Paul is talking in these 12 verses about how we relate to one another, not judging each other for issues of conscience in negotiable or adiaphora type things. It's okay to say somebody is weak in the faith, but maybe they need something like that. So we don't judge each other. We don't turn each other into victims. It's about how we relate one to another as Christians so far as freedom is concerned. But that said, we're going to start in verse 13 where St. Paul reveals a little bit more about this, some more detail. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. There are two words that summarize this entire passage. Be considerate. That's it. Be a considerate Christian. Remember that in Romans chapter 12, St. Paul says we have to outdo one another in showing honor. So in the 13th verse, he says, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. He is saying you cannot do that if you are condemning someone for having weak faith or if you have weak faith and you are condemning somebody's strong faith. So he says, 
decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Be considerate. This does require us as Christians, by the way, to get to know the people in our congregation if we are able. If you're one of the Christians out there who has to drive an hour to get to church and you have a busy schedule, you have to get to work, I understand you're not going to have time for the social events. I get it. But if you can, it's good to get to know people so that you do not accidentally or intentionally put a stumbling block in front of them. You should not be in the business of antagonizing people for a weakness in their faith. And if you have something that is a weakness, as we all have some sort of weakness, after all, we are all poor, miserable sinners, you should not be in the business of antagonizing other Christians and judging them for not thinking or doing exactly as you do. And again, I know I have to qualify it every single time because there are antinomians just frothing at the mouth to try to get me to say everything is permitted. No, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we must judge among ourselves when it comes to real sin. When it comes to proclaiming right doctrine or uh, fighting off bad doctrine. But insofar as these adiaphora things are concerned, or seeing somebody's personal faith issues, things that they can or can't do because of their conscience, we should not be antagonizing, judging, or putting a stumbling block in front of everybody. Let me give you an example. Have you ever met that, uh, that weed head out there, that stoner, that never shuts up about marijuana. I'm sure you've met at least one. When you were in high school or something, the guy out there who's always wearing his little pot leaf beanie, he listens to all sorts of stoner music. Marijuana is the center of his world. What happens if he starts talking about that or he asks if you like if you smoke dope, man, and you say, "Nah, it's not for me." How does he typically treat you? This happened multiple times in my life, so spoiler warning, not very well. I remember somebody asking me, like, hey man, do you, do you smoke? And my answer to that, no, I don't, and, and I don't like hearing about marijuana. So what does he do? He goes around in the class saying, hey everybody, this guy, <laughs> he doesn't like weed. Make sure not to talk about weed around him. <laughs> and then every time I saw this guy in class and after class and on campus, I was just walking around. He's like, hey, oh, don't worry, dude. I'm not going to talk about marijuana around you. <laughs> Deliberate antagonism. This guy just going out of his way to poke my buttons. And I saw that happening with so many people smoking dope. I don't understand how so few of them are actual functional adults now. But that's how it was. They wanted to shove it in your face, and if they saw that you didn't like it, they were going to confront you on it over and over and over again. Don't be that guy. In any Christian context regarding a weakness or a restriction or a discipline that your brother or sister in Christ has, be considerate. And I know somebody might ask, well, this doesn't apply to discussions of doctrine, does it? Well, it kind of does. 
you want to be able to speak the truth in love, to be a gentle soul if you can, or to be gregarious and kind to people, even if they have some sacred cows that they had to abandon, that maybe you should be gentle about. An example of that would be, say, Mariology. If you have a friend who's a former Roman Catholic, and they still keep those pictures of Mary around, I know I brought this up last week, but maybe doctrine comes up in a sermon or something about Mary. Maybe it's Advent, and they're talking about this stuff. It, you can tell how uncomfortable they are when they're talking about Mary, because they don't want to trespass their conscience. They used to pray to this woman for crying out loud. You don't want to necessarily poke that bear and say, hey, hey, you know, she probably had other kids with Joseph. You know that, right? She probably totally did, because that was like the requirement in a Mosaic law for there to be a consummation of the marriage, and they were totally married. And you know that word, until? Yeah, and yeah, I know the Lutheran confessions say Semper Virgo, but I'm going to tell you why that's wrong, and you're probably a Gnostic if you disagree with that. Oh my goodness, you just wounded a conscience. You just put a stumbling block before somebody, and because you just couldn't speak gently about it, to somebody in your own congregation. That's not showing the kind of love and honor that St. Paul has told us to show. So that's important. You want to be nice if you can. Is there a time and a place for harshness to your fellow Christian? Is there a time and a place for open rebuke? Yes, but that is not the norm. We don't want to go around shoving things in people's face and being combative all the time. That is not something you want to do to your fellow Christians in your congregation. I know social media has made people really, really, really confrontational. That's a whole different bag of worms. We're not talking about that today. Let's move on here to verse 14. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. This is an incredibly important verse. This and verse 23, because St. Paul is appealing to conscience. If you earnestly believe that something is a sin, and then you go ahead and do that thing, even if it's not, per the text of Scripture, a sin, it is a sin for you. You have, in fact, committed a sin by going against that conscience. He uses food as an example. Nothing is unclean. St. Paul can eat shellfish. He apparently had no problems eating pork or any of the other unclean foods out there. He fully understood his freedom in Christ. But if somebody out there a fresh Christian, new convert from Judaism. They have all these unclean foods around them and they just can't think of it as clean the way Christ says it's clean. They just have that buried habit, that hard discipline written into the code of their soul. Then for that individual to then, for no reason at all, give in to the temptation to eat that thing, to go against their principles, their conscience, everything, and then start violating those dietary laws without understanding the freedom they have in Christ, then it's just sin. It is encouraging the attitude of rebellion against God's commandments. 
Again, even if what you're doing is not a sin according to the letter of the law, that is the Ten Commandments and the commandment to love one another. Instead, you have an issue of conscience, of principle that you don't want to break. If somebody sins against their conscience, it is a real sin. Christ has declared all foods clean. Yes, but if your conscience is telling you, I just don't believe it is God's will for me to do anything like that or to eat any of those foods quite yet, I just can't. Therefore, it is unclean for you, the individual. And maybe there will be a day when that changes. Our conscience is subject to change as the Holy Spirit works on us and shows us the freedom we have in Christ and directs us to do what we ought to to glorify him. But while it's not changed yet, you shouldn't do something against your own conscience and principles. Now let's see here. He says, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Okay, what is this getting at? There's a tired, very well-worn illustration that is still pertinent here. We don't want to antagonize people that have weaknesses in the faith, right? A good illustration of it has always been the former alcoholic that just can't be around beer. And if you crack open that beer and he says he's not wanting to be around it, don't antagonize him. Put it away. Next time you see him at a social function, don't order alcohol. It's that simple. Now privately, enjoy. Have fun. Okay, good. But don't hurt this man's soul. You can destroy somebody that way. Because if you do shove it in his face and you don't care about his soul, he might just turn antagonistic towards you. He might turn away from the church entirely. I remember I brought up that teenager when I was in high school, constantly talking about his dope, constantly talking about smoking weed, all of that stuff. I never talked to that guy ever again. I wanted nothing to do with him. And this was before I was a believer, but I got so sick of hearing it that eventually I just tipped off the school authorities like, hey, this guy probably has a lot of drugs in his backpack. And he got expelled because he was so antagonistic towards me. Eventually I just threw up my hands and said, fine, no more. Gone. Bye. Is that what I should have done? No. Am I proud of myself for having done it? No. But when you push people, when you are showing this kind of hostility, throwing your freedom in their face, yes, they are going to become hostile to you. Now, I know somebody is going to respond to this saying, well, is St. Paul therefore putting his stamp of approval on the heckler's veto, on the rioter's veto of like, if you say this, I'm going to get upset? No. When it comes to real doctrine and hard truth that must be proclaimed, you still got to speak the truth. And if somebody's making threats or something like that, or if they respond antagonistically to the pure word of God, that's their problem, not yours. But when it comes to frivolous, needless things that don't have a major impact on you as an individual, 
Well, St. Paul has said, as far as it concerns you, be at peace with everybody in Romans 12. You need to keep that in mind. As far as you are able, be at peace with people. And don't go around stirring up strife for the sake of stirring up strife. If you have to pronounce the truth, and if it's a hard truth, and if you have to confront somebody on real sin, that's different. That's not what St. Paul is talking about. Remember, this is the guy that went up to St. Peter and screamed at him in Antioch, as he describes in Galatians. And this is incredibly important, because what have we Lutherans always accused the Roman Catholics of being? Jugglers of imaginary sins. And what have Lutherans become today? Jugglers of imaginary sins. My goodness, are we really, really bad about this. It turns out, by the way, if somebody goes to a Lutheran church that has contemporary worship, they're still a Christian. Most likely, they're still a Christian that still believes in Jesus and rejoices in their baptism. They're not an evil apostate because they heard a rock band sing a Hillsong track. They're a Christian. St. Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. This is important. St. Paul is not going to just tell you faith is a private thing. You need to have an inner Christian life and like never bring up faith stuff. You could, you could totally offend someone. That's not what St. Paul is saying. Somebody might go too far in the other direction about this and say, you have to be winsome. You have to never make anybody feel bad over anything. When really what St. Paul is saying, instead of passing judgment on one another and throwing stumbling blocks in front of each other, instead, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. And what is going to make for peace and mutual upbuilding? Serving Christ, serving him, proclaiming his truth, the law, the gospel, the response, the whole counsel of God, and doing so together, engaging in Christian service together. The more a church does what God wants them to do as a congregation, the less they are going to bicker about silly, stupid adiaphora. Even important adiaphora with real consequences for how one worships, using the contemporary worship idea. If you have that friend that likes going to the Kowo service at your Missouri Synod church that you really dislike, okay, still be friends with the guy. In fact, invite him on evangelism stuff you're doing out in town or outreach. Invite him when you go visit the sick and the elderly and the poor. Be friendly with him. Show him real Christian love. Do Christianity with him. Remember, Christianity is something you do just as much as it is something you believe. And eventually, as the Holy Spirit does his thing through sanctification, when you're driving with this guy and doing church stuff with him, maybe you could say, you know, I really like the higher services better, man. And he could say, I've been noticing some things 
not quite right about the contemporary service. I mean, we have the Bible, and yeah, we do communion every other week, but I've really been wanting to get more out of it. Cool, and you can convince him of your position. That's good. You haven't put a single stumbling block in front of him like you would have if you said, Hey, pal, stop going to that service. What are you, a Baptist? I hate you. Go away. You're not a real Christian because you like bass guitars in your service. St. Paul says, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. This is making a comeback, by the way. A lot of people out there are doing the veganism bit or vegetarianism as they try to eat healthy or as they protest factory farming where chickens are put in tiny little cages for mass consumption. Yeah, if you're around somebody that you know is a vegan, don't eat meat around them. Let them know that you're not a vegan, but don't eat meat around them. Don't drink milk around them. <laughs> try to be considerate and you'll notice that that'll open their eyes a little bit. So he continues on. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Now, some of the winsome people are going to say, Aha, this means you have to be winsome. You cannot flaunt your freedom because faith is so private that you keep it to yourself alone. That's not what St. Paul is getting at. Remember, this is an apostle that would go around preaching the gospel. If you're supposed to keep your faith to yourself, including and especially the parts that offend people so, so, so much, if that's really what he was getting at, then Christianity would have never made it past the first century. No, do not keep your faith to yourself in matters of proclamation and teaching and doctrine and your lifestyle, what God has told you to do. But when it comes to matters of freedom in Christ, like say, you don't have to be a vegan, you are not supposed to, in a spirit of arrogance and pride, throw that around in everybody's face. That's just it. You can still enjoy your freedom in Christ. You can still absolutely enjoy it. I mean, I have tattoos, for instance. I like my tattoos. I have eight of them. But every church I've ever pastored, it was requested, and I volunteered first, to cover them up. Because some people just can't be around that. They grew up in a little bit more of a stuffy way. Uh, they heard that this was like putting a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. Why would you do that? That kind of thing. So I wore long sleeve shirts. Never went out of my way to show people my ink. I covered it up for their consciences. Now that said, walking around town on my day off, I can wear a t-shirt. Not a big deal. And if somebody from the congregation saw my tattoos, you know, maybe they were a little offended and they said, oh, you have tattoos, pastor? And I'd say, yeah, I, I do, but I cover them up when I'm at work and when we're at the office. And they responded with, oh, okay. That was it. Everybody showing each other honor, showing each other patience. And if somebody had an issue, something that made them uncomfortable in the context of church and the congregation, we show that consideration. Let us be considerate. 
Now I understand that I have repeated myself ad nauseum here with these commandments, but it is incredibly important because conscience in the Christian is a sign that the Holy Spirit is showing you something. If you know you're not supposed to do something, or if you think you're not supposed to do something, you shouldn't do it. You should follow your conscience so long as it's not a conscience that is approving sin or barring you from obedience. Like the people out there who could just never get baptized because they were brought up in a Quaker household where they just didn't do that. We're not talking about that. That guy just needs to eat it and obey Christ's actual hard command here. Be baptized. But for so many other things, we have to be considerate of our own consciences, where we are weak in the faith, where we are strong, where we see our freedom and where we don't, and then to be considerate of other people's consciences. That's walking in Christian love, and no, it does not require you to be some limp-wristed, winsome type guy. <laughs> Speak the truth in love, guys. Catch y'all next week. Amen and amen.